Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Get your Bibles out. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and then we're going to go to the book of John. Actually, we've got a lot of verses to go through today. And um, uh, we are in, in this series uh, called Unmasking the Enemy. It's a series about spiritual warfare. Uh, last week, we covered a great deal. If you, if you weren't here for that, um, you, you need to go back and listen to it because it is just so foundational. And I will also say this uh, as well as that as we ended last week, I want to remind you this week that what I'm, what I'm about to tell you today, it, if you are struggling, if, if you are walking the line between Christianity and, and the world, between, between following the Spirit of God and following the, the sinful nature that we have, our, our flesh, and if you're, if you're just battling that and you find yourself giving in to sin over and over and over again and, and you just really haven't set it in your heart to follow Christ, like, like you're just living that lukewarm life and you're just on the fence, can I tell you, uh, the Bible says it pretty clear, if you walk the fence, it's going to hurt, everybody. Did you know that? It, it's going to hurt, meaning um, God, God is, is calling you into a greater relationship with him, a deeper relationship with him, and that means that we have to put off our old sin nature. That's what the Bible says. And I just, want to, I just want to tell you what I'm teaching you today. If you have not repented of sins, if you have not uh, really turned your back on the things of this world, it's going to be hard for you to grasp because I know how it is, everybody. I've, I've been there. Have you guys been there too? I've, I've had moments in my life where I just wasn't fully, completely following Christ. And then it was hard to believe the word of God because I knew who I was and what I was doing. Everybody get that? And so, so first and foremost, let's completely surrender our lives to Christ, live a life of repentance, live a life of faith, and, and turn our backs on the things of this world and follow wholeheartedly after Christ. And I promise you, when you do that, and then you hear these words, God is gonna reveal things to you, and you're gonna become the man or woman that you've always wanted to be, a man or woman of faith a man or woman of victory, um, um, your, your hope is going to be stronger than ever. The life that you experience in Christ is going to be better than ever. But we, we must turn our back to the things of this world. Everybody got that, right? Okay, so now that being said, I also want to encourage you because as much as we want to turn our, our back to the things of this world, we all still struggle with sin. We all still deal with sin. Like, and, and I wish I could say I don't sin anymore, but there are moments, everybody, that Pastor Justin sins. How about you? If, you're, if you sin every now and then, raise your hand, okay? Two hands. All right, there we go. Because we all still struggle with this, and the struggle with sin, I'm going to teach you about that in just a moment, and it's going to make so much sense to you if, if, uh, if you just listen to the Word of God. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord. How many know we're not supposed to be weak? We're supposed to be strong in the Lord. And in his, everybody say his, his, everybody say it again, in his mighty power, not ours, but his, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle 
is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Everybody, we are in a spiritual battle. It is spiritual warfare. And, and this world is not a playground. It is a, it is a battleground, everybody. That's, that's the world that we live in. And we are supposed to rise above it as men and women of God. We are supposed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's how we are to live this life, not as Christian weaklings, but as Christian strong men and strong women. Everybody see that. We are, we are meant to live a life of faith, live a life of belief, live a life of trust, live a life of hope, live a life that is a testimony to the goodness and the grace, but also the power of God. That's how we are supposed to live life. But one of the biggest problems that I've seen in the church one of the big, biggest problems I've seen in the church is this, that, that, there, that the church is filled with believers who are not believing. I'm going to say it again. The church in America, I'm not just saying new song. I'm talking the church, capital C. Everybody, I'm so sorry, but I have to put a, a cough drop in my mouth. I've, I've like, yeah, it's distracting me. My mouth is dry. One second. Here. Forgive me. I know this is totally not what you're supposed to do when you're teaching, but how many know sometimes you just got to do it? So one of the biggest problems in the church is that there are believers who are not believing. There are believers that are called to belief, they're called to trust, they're called to faith, but they don't know Jesus well enough, they don't know their Heavenly Father well enough to trust Him, to know that His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They don't know Him well enough to, to really put their faith out there and believe for the miraculous and believe, uh, uh, let, let, let me say it like this, have bold beliefs in their life. They, they're just like, oh, oh God, I, I, just, I hope you do this. I want you to do this. I'm, I'm just kind of begging you to do this. But they don't understand who they are in Christ Jesus. They are believers who are not believing. They are believers who, are, who may be asking. They are believers who might be wanting, but they're not believers who are believing. And yet we are called to be Believers, everybody see that, right? We're called to be believers. Am I the only one excited about this? Like, can you hear it in my voice? I'm like, oh, I can't wait to teach this. So I'm gonna teach you about our authority in Christ so that we can be believers who actually believe. So we can be believers who actually believe. I'm gonna talk about our authority in the Lord Jesus Christ. And concerning our authority, we have to understand, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down that first and foremost, we are under authority. We are under authority. I teach this to my kids all the time, by the way. Like, you, you might not like your boss, but for the rest of your life, you'll be under authority. So you might as well just learn to submit to it, honor those in authority, get, give your very best, work really hard. Well, my, my boss is a, is a jerk, yeah? He's also in authority. She's also in authority. And you have to honor that authority. If you say, well, the president of the United States, he's not under authority. Yes, he is. He answers to people. He's supposed to answer to all of us. But he always answers to God. You see what I'm saying? Like we're all under authority. And I'm going to teach this to you concerning our authority in Christ. We are under authority. John 17, 1 and 2 says this. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. This is Jesus praying, Father, the hour has come Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you, God, Heavenly Father, you granted him, this is Jesus speaking, 
He's really saying, God, you granted me authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. So where did the authority that that Jesus had, where did it come from? It came from his heavenly father. Now, what's so interesting about this is that is that before the, the, uh, the first coming of Christ, he was with God, right? And he's always, it's the mystery of the Trinity, everybody. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That, that, that Jesus was involved in creation, that he was active in creation. He had, trust me, everybody, he had authority. But when he came down and was born of a virgin, he left his authority. He gave it up in order to come into this world so that he could be one of us. And so when he became man, um, he, he realized, I need the Father's authority in me as a man. And God generously gave Jesus authority in his life. So Jesus laid it down. He, he walked away from his throne. He walked away from his divinity. And he came to earth. He gave it up. And he came to earth. And then he recognized, no doubt, his need for it. And we see that when his parents are looking for him, and he, he's looking at them saying, didn't you know that I'd actually be in my father's house? Like, didn't, didn't you know that I have this relationship with my heavenly father and my, my heavenly father is, is the one that I run to and he's the one that's going to give me everything I need to do everything that he's called me to do. In fact, he said that later, like, I'm just doing what the father tells me to do and I'm doing it under his authority. Everybody see that? Okay, okay, so... so so first of all, we are under authority, and Jesus was under authority too. Matthew 10, 1 says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him. His 12 disciples, you got to note that, that they were the followers of Christ, and, and he gave them, now he's passing his authority, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Now, I don't think that list is is by any means do I think it's a final list of the only things that they could do. I think it's just an example of Jesus saying, listen, now I'm giving you authority. You're under my authority. I'm, I'm sharing this authority that I have with you, and you're going to go out and do amazing things. In fact, Jesus told really disciples in us, you're going to do greater things than I've done. Well, how can we do those great things for Christ if we don't have his authority at work in our life? If we have not surrendered to his authority and are enjoying the authority that he shares, obviously, with who? With his disciples. So, so you know, as a believer in Christ, we are disciples of Christ. We are followers of Christ. And so that same authority that Jesus passed to his disciples, I tell you, he passes it to every person in his church, capital C. Every person who is surrendered to Jesus Christ, they have authority that he has given them. We are under authority, but we are also people of authority, not our own. Don't, don't be misguided, not our own. It's all because of him. It's be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Everybody see that? So why would he call, let me ask you a question. If, he, if there's this command here, written through the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, that says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, would he command us to do something that he would not work out in us? Would he command us to be somebody that it was, that it was impossible to be? Well, no, he would never do that. 
He, he would never say, hey, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And by the way, you're never going to do that because I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not going to give you my power. I'm not going to give you my authority. I mean, come on, everybody. Let's just think about this logically. If he tells us that, that we are to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, then he has to be able to give us something in order to be strong. What do you think that is? Authority. It's authority. Now, now let's go even deeper because now we see as we are under authority, now that we see that, we also have to know it is a positional authority. Again, write that down if you're taking notes. It's a positional authority. It's, it's, a, um, it's a matter of birth and not worth. You have authority not because of your own power, but because of your position in Christ. You have been, as, as Jesus was teaching Nicodemus, you have been born again. It is, it, it is a position of birth, not of worth, positional authority. And this is, really, this is really key, everybody. These are some, can I tell you something? These are some theological uh, words, and I'm trying to use simple words for all of us to be able to understand everything, just trying to say it very clearly. But this is, this is deep theological truth that is, is spoken about from the, the wisest of the wise as far as, as far as this world is concerned. Positional authority. So let me, let, let me explain it like this. We, we are both positionally holy as Christians, but we are also progressively holy. We are positionally sanctified, but we are progressively being sanctified. I can see the look at some of your faces that you're like, okay, you need to ex explain this to me. So let me explain this to you. When we, are, when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are born again, that we are made new, that the old is gone and the new has come, and we have a new position in our life because we have been adopted into the family of God. We are now, we are now children of of God, our position changes. We were we once were part of the kingdom of darkness, but now we have been transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son, the kingdom of light. We have a positional holiness. Everybody with me? A positional holiness. So once you accept Christ, you are positionally holy. But that's not. It, it doesn't end there. Now we have to become progressively holy. And let, let me let me prove this to you, everybody, because I know this gets really confusing sometimes, but Hebrews chapter 10 is really one of the, the best verses that I, can, that I can find that teaches this, um, or says it clearly, let me say it like this, that we have been, notice that, we have been made holy. We have been made holy. Past tense, we are positionally holy. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So because of Christ, we have been made holy. Verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest has, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down. This is obviously talking about Jesus. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins himself, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time he awaits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Now watch verse 14. 
For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made perfect those who are being made holy. He has made perfect those who are being made holy. We are positionally holy in Christ. We are thoroughly cleansed from all of our sins, and we are being thoroughly cleansed from all of our sins. We, we have been made holy, and now we are becoming even more holy as we continue to turn our back on the things of this world and follow after Jesus Christ. So, so, so if you say, well, which one is it? Are we holy or are we supposed to be holy? Yes. Now you got it. Now you got it. What did I get? You got the fact that you're holy. If you have surrendered your life to Christ, you are a new creation. You are holy. Therefore, everything in the word of God applies to you. Now be holy. For the one that's living in you is holy. And he's calling you to holiness. You see, so you are holy. Now, I, I said, always say it like this. You are holy, so act like it. Right? You, you've been made holy, so just act like it. Like live it out in your life. Turn your back on sin. So you are positionally holy. And what that means is, no matter how old or new in the faith you are, what I'm about to teach you concerning your identity in Christ applies to you. If you've surrendered and trusted Christ as Savior, it, it applies to you. Why? Because you've been made holy. You are holy in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness, the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So this is how I live my life. If you want to know how I live my life and when I struggle with sin, I know I'm the, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and when I fail, God, I'm sorry I failed. Help me not to do that again. And then I just don't, I don't even think about it anymore. I, I don't, I don't, there's no need for, for me to give that a thought anymore, that sin, because I've confessed it. I, I, I've, I've asked God to help me in that area. That, 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 that sin it didn't, didn't take away my holiness. It just reminded me of my need for holiness. You see what I'm saying? It didn't take me out of the family of God. I don't go in and out of the family of God. I've been adopted by my heavenly father. I'm his child. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a child one day and then, and then a nobody the next. No, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a child of God. I am positionally holy. And then I just try to act like it. Just try, and when I fail... I just confess it and move on. There's no, sense, there's no sense beating yourself up for it, everybody. That, that actually gets, that, that, that produces legalism in your life. Well, I sinned, so now I need to beat myself up. Jesus took the beating for you. You don't have to beat yourself up. Just walk away and just ask God, God, empower me next time not to do that anymore. I'm sorry about that. And then, and then you're right back to where you were five minutes earlier. You know what I'm talking about? You haven't lost any ground. Boy, I, I, that should be a sermon in itself one day. I'll pray about that. So, so we're under authority, and now we see that we have positional authority. Positional, and that's because of positional holiness and then progressive holiness. And then number three, positional authority then. Positional authority has to do with our identity in Christ. 
And I'm, I'm going to teach you, um, I'm going to teach you something that out of Mark chapter 9 that I, I just caught. And, and I'm still studying this, so I, I'm going to present this very softly to you. But in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, the disciples are having a problem. And, and they're really kind of irritated. Because somebody is stealing their thunder. Watch what happens in Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Teacher, said John, we, can you believe this, Jesus? We saw someone driving out demons in your name. And of course, we told him to stop. Because he was not one of us. Can you believe that, Jesus? That there was a guy out there that's so much audacity not even being one of us, he chose to actually believe. He chose to actually believe and do something in your name. Can you believe that, Jesus? He's not one of us. He doesn't look like us. He doesn't hang around with you like we do. That's their attitude. And Jesus says in verse 39, do not stop him. Like, come on, guys. What are you thinking, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. And you know what? This is what Jesus is saying. The disciples are coming up. Come on, Jesus. He, he doesn't hang around you like we do, but yet he's doing these things in your name. And, and Jesus is looking at him and hey, hands off. Like, hey, well, what are you guys thinking? This guy is, is believing in me, and he's acting upon that belief. And just because, just because he's not one of the 12 doesn't mean that he's not of me, that he's not for me, that, 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 that he's not a real believer. Guys, hands off. Hands off because obviously he understands his identity, and you guys don't. In fact, in John chapter 16, this is, this is kind of nearing the end of Jesus, uh, um, you know, right before the crucifixion and the resurrection, the end of his earthly ministry. It's, it's John chapter 16, and he looks at his disciples and he says, hey guys, you haven't even asked anything in my name as of yet. But this, in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 9, obviously prior to that, they see somebody who is and who's making a difference in the world. And then he tells them later, well, you haven't even done that yet. Is, is, that, is that not incredible? And Jesus is saying, hey, hands off of that guy. <laughs> like, yeah, because see, they're looking at him saying, well, he's not even close to where we are. And Jesus is saying, I don't care. I don't care. Like, he's one, he identifies with me. He's obviously for me. And he's, he's actually a believer who's believing because he knows who he is. He knows his identity. It, it, you know, I, I thought about this. Of, of all the things that I could say this morning, all the places I could go to teach you about your identity in Christ, I, I thought I would do something a little bit different today. Because I, I, I was going to share all of these verses with you of, of who we are in Christ. And it was just going to be an encouragement, you know, to all of you. And I thought, you know, if I start, there's no stopping. Like, I, I could give you a hundred verses about your identity in Christ like that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this different today. 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at the book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And I'm going to teach you this morning your identity in Christ, not based upon the, the entire Bible, not based upon the entire New Testament, not based upon all the writings of Paul. No, I'm going to teach you your identity in Christ just out of three chapters in Ephesians. Is that okay, everybody? This is what I can gain out of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 that describes who I am in Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, it describes who you are positionally. It's who you are. You ready for this, everybody? Ephesians 1. First of all, this might be hard for some of you, but I am a saint. Woo! I look like it, don't I? How many saints do we have in the room? Every Christian, you should get your hand up. Because the Bible says your identity as a believer in Christ is you are a saint. By the way, that's just Ephesians 1.1. You are a saint. Watch this, everybody. I'm a saint. I'm not going to stop now. I'm just going to keep going. I'm a saint. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I am chosen and predestined for adoption to sonship by the Heavenly Father. I am accepted by God and a recipient of his grace. I am redeemed and forgiven in Christ. I am a wonderful inheritance of spiritual riches in Christ. I have a wonderful inheritance of spiritual riches in Christ. Isn't that great, everybody? Ooh, I love that. I am indwelled and sealed by the Holy Spirit who guarantees my inclusion into the family of God. I have access to the spiritual wisdom and insight in Christ by the Holy Spirit. I participate in the resurrection and the ascension of Christ because of the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit in my life. As a member of the body of Christ, I am united to the Lord and represent him on the earth. Now, that's just chapter one. Here's chapter two. And this is just for my studies. I have been raised to new life in Christ, and I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. I am God's workmanship, a masterpiece, a new creation in Christ. I have been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am reconciled to God through the cross of Jesus Christ. I have access to God by the Holy Spirit, and I am part of the family of God, Ephesians chapter 2. You ready for Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians 3 says, I am an heir of God. I am a member of the body of Christ. I am a partaker in the promises of God in Christ. I am a mirror that displays the glory of God to the supernatural world. God's supernatural power is at work in me, and my life displays the glory of God, Ephesians chapter 3. That's just three chapters, everybody, of our identity in Christ. That's just three chapters. Now, what would it look like if you studied the whole book of Ephesians? What would it look like if you studied Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, Galatians? What would it look like if you studied the entire New Testament and you just figured out who you are in Christ? How many know that because of positional authority, you are somebody in Christ Jesus? How many know that? You are somebody in Christ Jesus. You are filled with his power and with his spirit, and you are not meant to stay silent. You're, you're not meant to live under, under the load of sin and shame and guilt. You're not meant to live that way. You're meant to live a free life in Christ Jesus. Jesus, based upon his authority at work in your life, based upon his power at work in your life. That's who, that's not who just you are called to be. That's who you are right now. If you are a Christian, it's not who you're called to be. It's who you are. It's who you are. Well, pastor, I don't feel that way. 
That's because you don't know your identity. It's because you haven't laid hold of who you are in Christ that when Jesus set you free, you are free indeed. So, 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 okay, so I got so much to say yet and um, so little time. So you have authority in Christ Jesus. Now let me tell you what this means. Let, let me tell you what this looks like in everyday life. Let, let me tell you what it's supposed to look like in everyday life, all right? I, like, if we, if we have the, our, if we have Jesus in us and the Holy Spirit in us, the moment we accepted Christ and, and followed after Christ, the Bible says we were sealed, that the Holy Spirit came in, he dwelt in us. And now we don't see things the same way. And Jesus resides in us. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's our position right now. Right now, that's your position. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why don't we walk like it? Why don't we act like it? Why don't we talk like it? Why don't we believe like it? See, here's a, here's a great story. Uh, I'm going to prove this right here in Acts chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, and this is kind of a longer portion of Scripture, but it's a great story. I mean, it's, it, once you start reading, you're like, oh, I love this story. It's a great story. It's not a story, actually. It's a truth. Acts 3, this really happened. Verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. And then Peter said, watch this, everybody. Here's the fun part. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Like, why, why are you taken back by this? He said, why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? I mean, you're acting as if I did this. You're acting as if I have some, something about me that you don't understand. You want to know. He says, no, 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 no. What, watch this. It's not me. He says in verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can see. And so he's, Peter's saying, whoa, 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 
Not my might. It's not my power. It's through the power of the Spirit, through the power of Jesus Christ. Like, there's no power in me except Jesus in me. Right? There's no, there's no power that I have, but one thing I do have. Now, now watch this, everybody. Watch this. When, when, he, when, he goes, when Peter goes to this lame man, he says, listen, silver and gold I don't have. Like, what you're looking for, I don't have. What you're asking me for, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, walk. What, what, what's not there? That's a good question. What's not there? He's not begging God, is he? In fact, he didn't even pray. He didn't. He, he didn't stop and say, oh, Heavenly Father. No, he didn't. He knew his identity in Christ. And he said, listen, what you're asking for, I don't have. That's not who I am. I'm not a rich man. I don't have silver and gold. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. Because I have the spirit of the Lord in me. I have Jesus Christ in me. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you walk. And he got up and he walked. What? Why did, why did that happen? How did that happen? Because Peter knew his identity in Christ. You know, sometimes people call me. Well, a lot of people call me, but sometimes people call me and they're asking for help. In fact, this, just this week alone, everybody, we gave away $1,200 in benevolence just this past week. How many are grateful that we have, we're able to give something like that? Isn't that awesome? And that's from your generosity. But, but at the same point, we get a lot of requests that we can't, that we just, you wouldn't believe the requests we get. One, one guy called one time and he said, the Lord told me you're going to give me a car. I don't see it out there. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, no, God told me. I'm like, well, you need to pray about that maybe a little bit more. A lot of times we just have people asking for things and, and we have a structure on how we give and we, we, we go through, there, there's a process that they go through to get benevolence and, and, um, and we had to because we get so many requests and, and, and we know that there is a limit. Everybody, if we said yes to everybody, our, our, our general fund would be nothing at this point. We get so many. And you know what happens? You give to one person and then they tell about 30 other people, oh, New Song's giving money away, giving money away, go get the new, and, and finally you get to a point where you realize there has to be a structure in place. There has to be a system, and we have that system now. It's working great. But I can't say yes to everybody. And so that's why we have a system. And sometimes when you, when you get a phone call and you, and, you, and you just say, I'm sorry, silver or gold, I don't have. <laughs> I, we just don't have any, any it, it, you know, we just don't have any to give you. And, and a lot of times they get mad. There's And, and, and I'll always try to bring it to the point, hey, listen, I, I can't help you out financially, but I do know Jesus. And can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? Can I pray, pray some blessings over your life? 
And about half the time, they're not interested. And I think, wow, you're running to the church for help, but you refuse to run to God for help who actually funds the church. Isn't that interesting? And, but then there's another group of people that says, absolutely, pastor, pray. And, 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 and I pray, and I speak blessings over them. And, and, and I do that because I believe in the power of God. I, I believe that we have to get to this point that says what the world thinks is an answer to this problem. I can't answer in that way. But I know Jesus. Come on, everybody. Let, let me ask you this. We have, let, let me say it like this. We have some people right now, and I'm, I'm trying to apply this to your life. We have some people right now that are going through great difficulties. Cancer. Um, actually, multiple people with cancer right now. One is about to pass away unless God does the miraculous. That's Don Harness, everybody, if you know Don. One of the one, most wonderful men you could ever meet. And uh, he's getting very weak these days, so we're praying for him. Jim just had surgery this past week. He had cancer in his face, and we're praying for him. And I, I wept with him just a couple of nights ago, called him, and we just wept together. And uh, not that he's weak. He's, he's a strong man, but he's in a battle. And, and you know, when you pray for people like that, Moose is having a bunch of issues. If you know Moose, he's having a bunch of it. I, I could go, I better stop because I'll miss somebody and then I don't want to do that. But a lot of people that are going through issues right now and, and I want so badly to be able to say, I can solve that. Or, oh, the doctors are going to solve that. Silver and gold, I don't have. Silver and gold, the doctors don't have. The, the answer is the doctors don't always have. You know what I'm talking about. Like there are times in your life that the only thing that's going to work in your life is faith. The, the only thing that's going to work in your life, in fact, the best thing that's ever going to work in your life is to be a believer who actually believes. Is to know your identity in Christ. And then speak the word. Make some declarations. Because you are a person of authority in Christ Jesus. It's not your power. It's not your mind. It is the Spirit of God and the Son of God living in you. And you have, you have, new song, you have positional authority to accomplish great things for the kingdom of God. You have positional authority. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Now, let's act like it. Let's talk like it. Let's live like it. Before you go running to anybody else, you go to God first. Before you ask help from anybody else, you go to God first. Because he is the source. And I want you to, I'm going to teach us, start teaching this this next week, the declarations that you can make in your life. That's where we're going next Sunday. There are declarations that you can make as a child of God. And I'm going to teach you those declarations. And it's going to be powerful. Don't miss it. But I want you today to have wisdom and revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can not only know the love of God more, but you can know who you are in Christ. And then when you know who you are in Christ, not based upon your works, but based upon his grace through faith, 
when you know who you are in Christ, you'll start, you'll start thinking differently, acting differently, talking differently. You'll believe for the miraculous. You'll believe for things that you might see that just might seem impossible, impossible circumstances, and all of a sudden faith will rise up in you. And the glory of God will be revealed. To him goes all of the glory. Both now and forever. Would you stand up with me? Thank you, Lord. So there's some people in this room right now. If you would just close your eyes with me. There's some people here in this room that you don't understand your authority in Christ. You don't understand who you are in Christ. That the devil has been slapping you for so long, telling you that you're nobody. Telling you that you're just barely saved. (laughs) And that you have no business praying. You have no business believing. You have no business speaking the promises of God or holding to the promise of God. The devil is just slapping you around, trying to make you think that you you are not somebody in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. He is a liar. And he's a deceiver. And he's keeping you from the best life that God has for you. He's keeping you from being the man or woman of faith that God has called you to be. And if you struggle with guilt and shame, you don't know. Or maybe you haven't even heard of who you are in Christ Jesus before this moment. And you know the devil's just been slapping you around, telling that you're a nobody and you can't do anything by faith. That you're going to make it to heaven just by the skin of your teeth. And you're just sick of that type of life and you want to be somebody in Christ. I said, you want, to, you want to act like the person you are already in Christ. And you want to believe for the miraculous and you want to rise up as a man or woman of faith. Would you raise your hand up really high right now? You've just been slapped around by the devil. The devil is defeated. I promise you that. The devil is defeated. He is a liar. He's a deceiver. And he's keeping you from who God called you to be. Heavenly Father, I break that spirit of guilt. I break that spirit of shame right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare that your people be set free, that your children be set free from the lies that the devil has been tormenting them with. Father, that they would be set free from wrong mindsets. They would be set free from confusion. They would be set free from fear. They would be set free from every single thing that is hindering them in their walk of faith. Father, I thank you that freedom is ours in Christ Jesus. And we are now rising up as men and women of faith, that we are taking our position. And our position is one under authority, that we have submitted ourselves to you, Heavenly Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. We have surrendered ourselves, submitted ourselves. We've invited you in. And now we understand this day. In fact, Father, that I pray that you would give us all a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand this truth, that we are positionally holy. 
We are positioned, we are a place in a place of positional authority because of Christ Jesus living in us and the Holy Spirit living in us. I pray that that truth would come to knowledge, it would come and, 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 and make its way into our minds and stay there and would not be moved. It would, we would not be shaken by the lies of the enemy, but we would understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Father, let it happen right now. Give them revelation right now. Give them understanding right now. Let them embrace who they are in Christ Jesus right now, Father. Let it happen. In the name of Jesus, I pray it. I declare it, Father, as being done. And now, Lord, we all, we all choose this day to be a people of faith, to be a people of belief. We are going to be believers who believe. We're going to be believers who speak, believers who act, believers who do, believers who who look at the impossible and recall instantaneously that nothing is impossible with God, that you can do all things. Lord, help us to believe for the impossible, to fight for the impossible, to hold on to the miraculous, to use our faith the way that you've called us to use our faith, to walk in authority, God, as people of your word, as people who have been adopted into your family. God, help us to live like it and to act like it, we pray. And Lord, I pray that you would teach, teach us these truths. May they never escape us, God. May we always remember who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are somebody, that we are somebody. We might not have money. We, not, we might not have all the best things in this life, but Father, we have you. Jesus, we have you. Holy Spirit, we have you. <laughs> and that's more than enough. And we thank you. We thank you that we are a people of worth, because of you, we are valuable in your eyes. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we are valuable to you. And we bless you. Come on, let's just raise up our hands to the Lord and just bless them. Father, we bless you. We worship you. We honor you for who you are. We honor you for your goodness. Thank you for changing us. Thank you, thank you for making us more like Jesus. Thank you for molding us into your image. Thank you for making us a people of faith. We're reminded today that you've never called anybody in your word to doubt. That doubting was never approved by you, but believing always is. And Lord, thank you for making us a people of faith, believers who believe in you, in your word, in your faithfulness, and in your power. We bless you. And we worship you and we honor you. Come on, everybody. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.